I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds. And they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. You know I've been talking about earned media value for quite some time on this podcast. My friends at Eisenberg have just raised the bar on earned media benchmarks with their social index. Social Index now gives you globally earned media values across a growing list of six geographies for all your KPIs across the top seven social platforms, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, Snapchat, TikTok, Twitter, and YouTube. You can now visualize these values for deeper analysis, and they have a look-back window over two years of historical comparisons. Social Index is updated daily. Don't get stuck with old data. Over 1,000 companies have used the Social Index to understand the ROI of their social campaigns. And if you work with a social agency, you should demand they incorporate earned media values into your reports. Get your earned media value for social content. Visit earnedmediavalues.com slash Allen. Again, that's earnedmediavalues.com slash A-L-A-N. For all of us, it's about predicting where the consumer is going and getting half of it right. One of the things we want to do is create ads that don't suck. Embracing change creates great possibility. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Today on the show, I've got Ian Colley. He's the Executive Vice President and Chief Marketing Officer at The Trade Desk. Prior to his current role, Ian spent 20 years at IBM leading communications for a range of divisions, including IBM Cloud, IBM Finance, Global Services, and IBM Europe. He began his career in New York City in communications agencies like Edward Novanti and Associates, among others, and where he worked with clients such as Goldman Sachs, Barclays Bank, Club Med, and Comex. On the show today, we talk about the trade desk and his early start there, his switch from communications to the marketing function as the CMO at the trade desk. And we talk about the open internet, why that's important, why the trade desk is focused on the open internet and their recent brand campaigns, what matters and much more. I hope you enjoy this conversation with Ian Colley. Ian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Alan. It's a thank you for inviting me to be on with you this morning. Yeah, it should be it should be a good conversation. Um, we're going to talk about a subject I've never talked about before. I hear you know a thing or two about chicken processing. <laughs> well, yes, I've listened to some of your podcasts and and some of your guests talk about uh, early jobs in their careers. And so, one of the odd jobs I had uh, very early on, while I was still in college, actually, was spending one summer working in a chicken processing plant. 
And uh, my job was to kind of sort out the raw chickens into into size sizes. And uh, what what I didn't realize when I started was that for me anyway, standing in front of a conveyor belt all day long for 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 eight hours a day would give me motion sickness. But in addition to that, when you're when you're dealing with raw chickens, apparently I was told that if one person on the on the conveyor belt gets sick, everybody gets sick because raw chickens will carry those germs down the line. So I think I lasted about two weeks before I got as sick as I have ever been. And um, I was laid up all weekend, uh, so sick. And uh, that was long as, as long as I lasted uh, in the chicken processing career. <laughs> well, I'm glad, I'm glad you made it out. And uh, I'm really thankful that I've never had to do that because I don't want to be sick from chicken, <laughs> chicken or people on the line, so to speak. But we do. I do hear, you know, and I'm sure listeners will hear a somewhat faint accent right now. Where'd you grow up? I grew up in the UK. So I, I grew up in the UK and went to college in the UK and came to, came to New York uh, right after college. Well, how did you get from chicken processing to becoming this chief marketing officer at the trade desk? Tell me a little bit about that journey. I've been here uh, about three years. uh, And prior to that, I was at IBM for for more than two decades. But I started my career in, in public relations doing PR for mostly for financial services companies in New York City uh, before I joined IBM and worked in a a wide number of different roles at IBM uh, before I joined the trade desk to to lead their communications team. And uh, from there, kind of worked on more marketing projects as well to, to where we are today. Well, and spending 20, I think I counted it this morning on your LinkedIn profile, 23 years at IBM and now going to the trade desk, very different. I mean, large global behemoth <laughs> to fast growth startup and not a startup anymore, but a fast growth company. Tell me about that transition. What was that like? It's been a fascinating transition. I think when, whenever you work in communications or marketing, you're you're really looking for what is the compelling story that you have to tell? And certainly at IBM, there were many great stories to tell. A lot of it about how a company is constantly transitioning itself to stay at the forefront of an industry. At a company like the Trade Desk, it's a different environment. It's it's a much younger company. It's a fast-growing company. And that's a different story in and of itself, uh, but a very compelling one. And when I first joined the Trade Desk, I, I felt that this was a company that was growing spectacularly, was helping redefine an industry and in there was a fascinating story. And I felt that it was a place where you could do fascinating communications and marketing work. So re- regardless of size, I think if, if you're in this business, that's a key part, uh, I think, of what can be very motivating is what, what is the compelling story that we have to tell? I like that. And like you mentioned a minute ago, uh, primarily communications roles until this CMO role. Is that is that true? Is that correct? Yes, uh, but I, I think there's always some crossover, and I think it's not unusual these days for for communications leaders to to step into marketing roles and, and vice versa. There's, I think there's so much crossover between the two, and I think in both cases, at their very best, they're 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 all about the art of persuasion. How do you get someone to believe in your story or or buy your product, and that always comes down to compelling storytelling. It may take different forms, right? In communications, you might be thinking about writing a speech or talking with a reporter about your company. In marketing, there are so many other ways that you're telling that story and, and they come in different 
formats and different timeframes, and it forces you to think about it in different ways. But ultimately, you're, you're still thinking about that same thing. How do, I, how do I convince someone about this product or the service or this company in a way that's really compelling? So I think there is a lot of territory where these two, these two roles do overlap. No, I, I mean, I t- definitely agree. And I, Ian, I really like talking to folks that came out of the communications or even public relations, media relations background, because there's, you talk about storytelling, there's an edge and a sharper point, if you will, to the stories that I hear from those folks. And I don't know if it's because of the fact that you've been trying to influence media and journalists, and it's really about the facts and tell me why I should care about this. But I enjoy that aspect. I don't know if you agree with that perspective that folks coming from your background have that superpower, so to speak. (laughs) I think you're hitting on something there. I think if you do work in a communications field like PR that you talked about, the audience that you're dealing with is very real. It's very visceral, right? You, You might be talking to an analyst or a reporter or an audience that you're giving a speech to. So you have to think about the message in a very, very clean and direct way because you have a very direct audience that you're trying to communicate with and to persuade. In a broad marketing level, the audience is a bit more abstract, right? I'm trying to I'm trying to convince the broad market. Well, who is that market? Uh, and you can get closer to it by thinking about personas and, and different audiences that you're trying to influence, but it's not, it's not right in front of you, right? It's, it's out there. So I think having that very direct, visceral audience that, that you're trying to communicate with does, does make it very immediate and forces you to be um, very, very focused on that immediate story that you're telling and the immediate message that you're trying to deliver, which I think is is a very useful muscle to build. Well, the, let's talk about the Trade Desk. The Trade Desk currently is positioning itself around the open internet versus, say, walled gardens like a Google, as an example. What does that mean to the industry and to the Trade Desk to be for the open internet? Sure. I think one way of thinking about it is from a marketer's perspective, if, if you want to to advertise on social, you might go to Facebook. Uh, and if you want to advertise via search, you, you might go to Google. But if you want to reach the rest of the internet, which, by the way, is where the majority of consumers spend most of their time, you're going to go on the open internet and you're likely to use uh, a platform like the Trade Desk. And what's compelling about the open internet for a lot of our clients is you do get to understand exactly where your marketing dollars are going to show up against what kind of content, and you can make sure that it's consistent with your brand. You do get to measure uh, the impact of your campaigns uh, in a much more immediate and real-time way so that you can optimize those campaigns on on the fly and iterate them. And lastly, I think one emerging benefit is this whole world of, of connected television, which is which is just exploding and uh, which exists on the open internet. And for most marketers, uh, television, I think, remains the largest part of their campaign spend. As more consumers shift to streaming platforms and as more broadcasters shift content to streaming platforms, the opportunity to apply data to those TV campaigns for the first time is tremendously compelling and again speaks to the power we believe of the open internet yeah well and i i hadn't thought about ctv uh, or streaming tv as as an element of the open open internet but you're right tell me a little bit more about how you guys are getting in engaged in that environment if you will well, I, I think advertisers are increasingly looking at the value of connected television, as I said, because consumers have shifted 
over to to connected uh, to streaming platforms and it allows advertisers to in the tv environment to be to be much more precise about their campaign spend so in a in a linear kind of tv environment advertisers don't know exactly who's consuming their content but in a streaming world it's it's much more data driven so there's much more precision and a much better understanding of of consumer you know consumer interaction uh with the ads so they can apply data to tv uh for the first time they can start to optimize then across channels uh and do things like manage frequency uh in a much more educated way because they can understand you know exactly which consumers have have consumed their content across a wide range of channels and manage that process in an omni-channel way. Yeah, I, I was talking to another streaming provider um, recently, Roku, and they were describing this. And I, as I hear you talk about it, it makes perfect sense, which is there's an appeal to connected TV or streaming to both a traditional TV big brand marketer, because now I can be more precise, <laughs> as well as the, you know, the performance marketer, because it's at the end of the day, it's about delivering the right message to the right person at the right time. And so there's a, a little bit of both, almost maybe a, a magic a magic media element there in connected tv yes and i think if you want to reach kind of the the entire market that you're trying to to influence you have to look at connected television because a lot of your audience is no is not no longer on linear uh, the rate of cord cutting has only accelerated through the pandemic. And as I said, a lot of those eyeballs have shifted to to CTV. And what we see with a lot of our clients is that they're getting significant incremental reach. Uh, So in addition to their linear spend, adding that CTV component allows them to reach those audiences that now are primarily focused on, on streaming platforms. And that's only going to grow as more streaming platforms offer ad supported options, uh, as we've seen from from several content providers in in recent weeks and months. Well, the Trade Desk is a huge tool in the arsenal for marketers. Let's talk about marketing the Trade Desk. <laughs> um, you've created a, a recent a new brand platform for yourself. Tell me a little bit more about that. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. What we wanted to do was, was help people understand what it is that the trade desk does uh, and the value that we're delivering to to our clients and to the market and it's a lot a lot of it's about what we've been talking about it's about the the power and value of the open internet and and what can you do there that that you can't do in 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 say a walled garden environment so it, it's about why do things like reach matter why do things like objectivity matter why do things like performance and measurement matter to, to 
to today's modern marketer. And trying to, you know, these are not necessarily always the easiest concepts to understand. We understand that the world of data-driven advertising can be a little opaque to, to many people. And so we're trying to explain the, the, why these things are important, why they matter, why they're valuable uh, to a marketer in ways that, that, that are fairly easy to, to digest. Uh, so that's really uh, kind of the essence of it. Why, why, why should the open internet matter to a marketer? And the various dimensions that, that we can bring that story to life. One of the, I guess, brand elements that, that caught my attention was a video that was around because journalism matters and kind of struck a chord with me. Um, I'm a closet journalist <laughs> with the podcast, but uh, but also, you know, in, in college, worked for the student newspaper and uh, many of my colleagues went on into the newspaper industry, which you you probably know is kind of a dying uh, industry, so to speak. And um, so it, I don't know, that one really caught my attention because it just feels like the open internet was about information and being able to provide information that people wanted to consume. And folks like the trade desk, it seems to be that you're positioned well to help keep that dream alive, so to speak. You're absolutely right. We believe that journalism is incredibly important to uh, to society in terms of that free flow of, of information. And when you think about how, how the internet works, right? It's a value exchange. Uh, you get free content in return for relevant advertising. And the more relevant the advertising delivered in a, obviously a privacy safe way, the more valuable the ad impressions become, the more revenue that the content provider gets and the more content that they can produce. And I don't think there's any industry that understands that value exchange more clearly than journalism, which, as you say, has been transformed over the last couple of decades by, by digitization. So it's an area that we focus on a lot. And even with the launch of a recent product, uh, OpenPath, which is a direct uh, kind of uh, pipe for our advertisers to premium publisher inventory. And we started that project with journalistic outlets because they do understand this value exchange. And, and they understand that that they want as transparent and competitive a marketplace for their ad impressions as possible so that they can be as competitive as possible. So uh, when we launch things like Open Path, we do think about uh, journalism, uh, in this case, first, as we build those products. I mean, I think that's really important. And I, I love that notion of the, what you've built with Open Path because um, I think there was a story, I don't know, it seems like years ago at this point, The Guardian, I believe, <laughs> bought their own ads just to see how much they how much they would uh, get out of the value chain if you will and there were so many slices of that that I can't remember the the end result but it was you know pennies on the dollar that they were getting or pennies on the pound or pence on the pound I should say since it's the guardian so it's it's nice that you guys have a direct a direct pathway for marketers to actually buy that inventory that you know what the inventory is from a marketer standpoint that's really important with some messier ecosystems out there than the trade desk has and it seems like a win-win-win for everyone in that case we hope so we're certainly very focused as a company on ensuring a competitive and transparent uh, digital advertising ecosystem. And we've done a lot of things over the years to make that possible. And OpenPath just, just being the latest uh, thing. But we're, we're highly focused on making sure that we deliver more value to our clients than, than we extract. And we hope that everybody in the ad ecosystem is, is focused on, on the same thing. And things like OpenPath, I believe, help us, help us get there. Well, I've enjoyed talking about the trade desk and learning a little bit more about you. Let's let's go a little deeper. Uh, one of the things I like to do is 
ask us a, a series of questions to all the guests that come on. And my favorite question to ask everyone is, has there been an experience of your past that defines or makes up who you are today? I think very, very early in my career, I was working for uh, a fellow called Ed Novotny, who, who was the lead PR guy for Goldman Sachs for, for many, many years. And he was always very, very focused on kind of the why of what, we're, of what you're doing. You, you don't do things just because everybody else is doing them or because that's the way things have always been done. You always think about what is the objective you're trying to achieve for your client? How are you going to think about getting there? And, and, and what's the journey to, to the payoff? Uh, so always a very strategic approach to the work and highly, highly focused on that. And that's, I think, something I've taken with me ever since those very early days in my career. Yeah, no, that's really wise advice. Well, if you were starting this journey all over again, besides not working at that chicken processing plant, what advice would you give your younger self? Oh, great question. I, I think I would I would advise myself not to worry so much. I, I think when you look back uh, on a career and think about the things you worried about uh, at various points, and then years later, you realize those things didn't really matter. They weren't that important. And so I, I think always be looking forward and not worry as much. Well, is there a topic that you think other marketers should be learning more about or you're trying to learn more about yourself? I think just as an industry, we're heading toward a trillion dollar total addressable market for advertising. One of the few industries that's at a trillion dollar level. But as we race toward that trillion dollar mark, more and more of that market will be digital. All of it will be digital over time. And more of it will be traded programmatically. Uh, so I think it's and more and more, even brand marketers today are understanding programmatic and the value of data-driven advertising. But I think that's where the industry is headed. So I think it's, and I'm doing the same thing myself, right? Uh, learning the, the ins and outs of how all this works. And the more you get into it, the more fascinating it becomes. And you realize the power and value of really working with data to optimize uh, your campaign. So I think that's something that more marketers are going to be focused on in the years ahead. A lot of people, the old school marketers, if you will, they're kind of scared by it. But I think I think scared because they think that the creative creativity is going to go away. But I think that's completely false because just the levers that we've talked about that you have now available to you create endless amounts of creativity. <laughs> like, I think you're absolutely right. I think even in our own campaigns, uh, the, the optionality you get in data-driven advertising means you, can, you have so much more flexibility to create different kinds of, of creative approaches and to, to iterate on them much more quickly than in, than in traditional formats. And I think that's, that can be really exciting to the creative side of marketing. Well, we've got two more questions for you. On a personal note or, or you know, things that you notice in the world, are there brands or companies or causes that you follow or you think other people should be taking notice of? I've become really fascinated lately by very, this, we're kind of in this kind of generation of very successful founder-led companies, Trade Desk being one, by the way. But you, I, I just finished watching We Crashed uh, about, about WeWork, uh, which is a fascinating story. But you also look at Amazon, Tesla, and uh, Facebook, and other companies where you have these incredibly visionary founders uh, that, that have created value out of nothing. Just understanding how they did that, their approach to that, and kind of what makes someone 
able to do that? What, what is it that they're bringing to the table that creates that value? I think it's just fascinating to try to understand. I'm still working my way through eCrash, so don't give me any spoilers. <laughs> well, it's it's a public, I, I guess it's it's, it's based a public on, story. It's, it's a yeah. public story, yeah. <laughs> but it is fascinating. It's very, very fascinating. The first episode in particular, uh, kind of like, I was like, what? This is who this guy was? Because you never know. You always see them once they're already achieved success, right? You don't see them necessarily as people before that happens. Um, so anyway, I found it fascinating so far. What's the largest opportunity or threat to marketers today in your mind? I think the, the biggest opportunity is perhaps something we've already talked about, which is the shift to connected television. Given that that is for, for many marketers, t- television in general, video, the, the largest part of their campaign spend, the shift to CTV is is a massive opportunity to to rethink how we think about video and TV advertising around the world. In terms of threats, I think it's hard to ignore the changing identity landscape. Uh, Not that that's a threat. I think that's also potentially an opportunity too, because I think what will happen is there will be a shift from opt-out internet to an opt-in internet, where we will create much more privacy-safe identity solutions that allow advertisers to do their work of delivering relevant advertising, that allow publishers to, to maximize revenue on their end and provide consumers with more control over, over privacy. So it, it's work and, and there's so much going on in the industry to, to solve for that. Uh, but I think that's also an opportunity. Yeah. Well, and it's, it's a huge marketing opportunity from a fact of like, how do you get people to opt in? <laughs> what value are you creating for them that allows them to say, yes, I will allow. So yeah, it's a fascinating landscape. It's an interesting time. It seems like it's always an interesting time in marketing. <laughs> I just want to say thank you for coming on the show, sharing your, your wisdom. Thank you, Alan, for having me. It's been a pleasure. Hi, it's Alan again. Marketing Today was created and produced by me with support from my team and podcast editors, sound engineers, and writers at Share Your Genius. Find them at shareyourgenius.com. If you're new to Marketing Today, please feel free to write us a review on iTunes or your favorite listening platform. Don't forget to subscribe on marketingtodaypodcast.com and tell your friends and colleagues about the show. I love to hear from listeners. You can contact me on marketingtodaypodcast.com. There you will also find complete show notes, links to what was discussed in the episode today, and you can search our archives. I'm Alan Hart, and this is Marketing Today. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. 